We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big guy to bring down. Again, quick tempo. And picked off at the one-yard line. That is Watson out in front. Sneed to protect him as well. All the way for the touchdown. Unreal. Wow. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? It's Friday, September 16th, and this is KCSN Update, your daily video and Chiefs content from us here at KC Sports Network. And whew, that was a memorable one last night. Chiefs 27, Chargers 24 as the Chiefs moved to 2-0 on the season and steal one away as rookie seventh-round pick Jalen Watson had a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. And that's after the Chiefs pretty much not playing their best football on the offensive side of the balls, especially. And we're going to talk about that with Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. But first, hit that like and subscribe button. And uh, if you're listening on the if you're listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, go ahead and follow and subscribe there as well. Uh, we appreciate your support and following what we're doing here at KCSN. And again, we're going to get to Trevor here in a second. But first, we're going to do a quick word from DraftKings. Kansas, the wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Kansas just in time for football season. That means betting legally on same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. To celebrate, DraftKings is giving new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 1-800-522-4700. Must be 21. Physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. All right, now we welcome on Pro Football Focus's Trevor Sycamore. Trevor, uh, I know how locally how Chiefs fans are going to be pretty split on how they feel about that game, but at the bottom line, 
Chiefs eke it out 27 24 over the Chargers. Feel like they kind of stole one uh, when they felt like the Chargers for a lot of that game played better uh, than the Chiefs did. But I want to get your top three takeaways uh, from that game last night. But what was your overall just initial reaction to watching that game as the rest of the country was since it was in primetime? Oh, man, it was awesome. I mean, we look at the over under for that game. I think it was at 54, maybe ended at 52. Mm -hmm. And we were very close to that. And there is a good argument to say that there were a lot of points to who they are now. Mahomes off the fake. Throws and that's caught by Hardman. He wasn't last night, but a lot more faith in his defense that he did last year. And, you know, even with the Chiefs offense, yeah, they were humming. They scored enough points to win the game, but I felt like they could have eclipsed the 30-point mark, even with the game script and how it was. So it was a really great game. Everybody talked about, you know, in the pregame that it felt like a playoff atmosphere, and it did. That felt like yeah. a playoff implication game, whether it was Justin Herbert kind of like gutting it out through the injury or Mahomes working magic, getting out of the pocket <laughs> to score that unreal touchdown, right? It just felt like there were so many moments where, you know, all right, good chance we see these teams play again uh, once we get into into January. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, chapter one of, of Chiefs Chargers in 2022, I don't think disappointed. It gave us plenty to talk about. Yeah, I don't think anybody was surprised the game was close. I think for Chiefs fans, they just don't like watching Mahomes in the offense not just score every time they possibly want to. And he's kind of have to remind, like, you know, the other guys, I think it was Marty Schottenheimer used to say all the time, like, the other guys are on scholarship too. Right. Like, the other guys are pretty good. Cleo Mack, Joey Bosa, uh, Derwin James, a healthy Derwin James. Um, is fun to watch as a football fan. Like, these guys were getting after it up front. Now, what was your top takeaway uh, from the game last night? Because there's – Again, there's a lot of storylines coming out of that one. Um, a lot to talk about, a lot for um, particularly the Chiefs offense because it didn't feel like they had a lot of answers, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But um, what was your number one takeaway? All right, so a couple of them kind of go into one another. So it's a little bit of a story here. I'll start out with the rookie class and just how much the Kansas City Chiefs are getting out of this rookie class. George Karloftis, Jalen Watson, obviously, with the, with the interception that was uh, a major turning point in the game. Leo Chanel, and he even had guys like uh, like Brian Cook, like Joshua Williams, like Sky Moore, who didn't play a lot on their respective sides. That game, but you could tell, are already getting involved in things. They're active on game day. They're playing special teams. These are guys who are already contributing heavily to this team and in a way that is visibly positive. I remember going back to draft weekend, we at PFF, Mike Renner, I should say, has a draft guy that he puts out. No team in the NFL drafted better to how PFF graded these, these draft prospects than the Chiefs did. We were blown mm -hmm. away with what it felt like pick after pick after pick. It was just steals of the draft for where the Chiefs were getting these guys. And that's not even mentioning Trent McDuffie, who had a fantastic mm -hmm. we won before he got hurt. So yeah. you're looking at these guys in the rookie class, and, and we had no Trent McDuffie last night, but 77% of the snaps for Carl Loftus, 68 for Watson, 29 for Chanel. And you just see these guys <clears throat> contributing at such a high clip already, which – Look, there's uh, Ian Beckles. He used to play interior offensive line, and I'm just I'm from just south of Tampa, and so I would go on his podcast mm -hmm. all the time. And um, he used to play in the league, and he would tell me all the time because he knew I was a draft guy, so he would kind of poke fun <laughs> at me, and he'd be like, "Trevor, just gonna let you know, rookies are supposed to suck. That's it." And he would he would tell me that all the time. He's like, "You were learning so much. You were trying to figure so many things out." on the field, off the field, in life, in the game, the game speed, what yeah. you're supposed to do, what your opponent's going to do. There's so much that you were taking in when you were a rookie. And he would tell me all the time, jokingly and also kind of not jokingly, rookies are supposed to suck. Well, nobody told the Kansas City Chiefs that because they are getting <laughs> something out of this rookie class and a lot more than something. I should say a lot. And that's going to be, to me, an X factor for them 
continuing that deep postseason run, getting <clears> these <throat> wins, potentially getting the number one seed, and maybe being the team at the end that hoists the Lombardi Trophy. That's good stuff, man. And uh, we had talked a little bit about after the draft because Kent, you know, Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, Maddie Lane, the guys on KC Sports Network do a lot of draft work as well. We saw you at the Shrine Bowl. Um, we were studying Isaiah Pacheco, you know, and those guys that we had a chance to sit down with before the Chiefs took him. But, you know, I remember when I was at the Chiefs, I had um, it was Kiana Martin at the time. I actually had her on a podcast a couple weeks ago and talked to her about that. She's at MLB Network now. She'd gone to the 49ers and was their team reporter for a number of years after she left um, helping us out at the Chiefs. But I remember her doing a project with us where we had her charting every snap play. Now there's probably programs that can do this a lot easier now <laughs> back then, like, you know, eight years ago is by hand with a Google sheet, but had her chart every snap played every week by every drafted rookie in the NFL, because I had this inkling that, and it was the year that it was the Mitch Morris, Marcus Peters, Rameek Wilson, DJ mm -hmm. Alexander, James O'Shaughnessy, Rakeem Nunez Rochez, who's still down in Tampa yes, uh, doing is. his thing. And the I, Nacho's awesome. One of my favorite dudes, but, um, they were getting so many snaps and I was trying to do this content regarding like snaps equal value from the personnel staff's mindset. If they're on the field, they're a valuable player, a valuable resource that we brought into this organization. I was trying to contextualize the chiefs are getting more value out of their rookie class as rookies than any other team in the NFL. So we charted all of these snaps and I say all of that to say it was one thing to do that back in, you know, 2016, <clears throat> 2017 around that time it's a whole nother thing with where the chiefs are at trying to go win another right. super bowl to have another rookie class that i don't know how it's going to end up i mean we're two weeks in i don't know how that's going to compare to other teams around the league with the number of guys but you're right they're getting so much snap value whether it's on defense or josh williams or these guys who four core special teams guys who are still contributing they're out on the field in situations that might not be, you know, out there like Karloftis chasing down sacks or Jalen Watson intercepting return for a touchdown. But these guys are contributing for a team that is, you know, a favorite to go and try to win another Super Bowl. It's just a completely different situation than we saw years ago with John Dorsey and Brett Veach and his staff have to be absolutely thrilled about what they're getting. And then for a Western PA guy in uh, Justin Watson to get the big touchdown catch, I'm sure Brett Veach was absolutely loving everything about last night, Trevor, but uh, what else just stood out to you? What was one of the other top takeaways that you had uh, besides the rookie class? Cause I mean, what a debut to remember for Jalen Watson. No, it was, said, we can do an entire podcast it, on Jalen Watson. I can't imagine that feeling that he must've had. It was, it was awesome. And um, watching the, uh, the, the interview afterwards, he was doing an interview with NFL network. I cannot remember who is, who is interviewing him, but they referenced a story about how Watson said when he was drafted, in the seventh round, he just, he, he ran out of his house and just started sprinting up the street because he was so excited. <laughs> and the question was, did you run faster when you were on the pick six or did you run faster on draft <laughs> night? And he's, he kind of laughed and he's like, yeah, actually I ran faster on draft night because this, uh, the pick six, I was gassed, man. Like I was already <laughs> yeah. tired. I was running on fumes. So, uh, it was funny. What a moment for him. Actually, Trent. Yeah. Yeah. And bef before we get into the second takeaway, I want to ask you this because this is the, like the nerdy th things that I think about you get a little bit inside the brain of when I watch a play like that because of all the, the circumstances. And a lot of people are going to make a big deal about Gerald Everett, uh, the tight end, asking to be pulled out because of how tired he was with how much tempo that the Chargers were playing in last night. And, and we talked about it on the postgame show with Craig Stout, who charts the game live and how much, how many different times they were going tempo and really felt like, 
for Brandon Staley making some of the decisions that he's made, it felt like he was uber conservative in that game last night compared to what we had seen from him in the past. But the one thing that was really that stood out to me about the Jalen Watson interception was right before that, that play right before that chunk play that they got to Everett where he got it in the flat and then ran down um, inside, you know, the five or wherever it ended up is that, Gerald Everett was gassed, but if you saw Willie Gay running on that play, he was either hurt or he was gassed. And I turned to Kent on our live show and I was like, Willie Gay is out of gas. Like they are exhausted. So when I saw the Chargers go tempo, I didn't see before the replay that Gerald Everett was trying to come out. I saw a Chiefs defense that needed to take a timeout or something because they were exhausted. And then you see the Chargers go tempo and then they bring Willie Gay on a blitz. He gets around the running back, which makes the throw due to Jalen Watson the way that he did. And I think you're talking about James Palmer from NFL Network who yes. did the interview with Jalen yes. Watson because we had James on our postgame show. The audio was kind of out of whack. Uh, we were trying to get him. Clyde Edwards actually came up and said hi. During, he had his cell phone out when That's he was on awesome. our postgame show. But the communication process, this is the nerdy stuff I think about. The communication process for Steve Spagnolo to relay it to Nick Bolton, who's got the green dot, mm-hmm. to go, there's so much happening because not only did they call a blitz during a offense's tempo, they got that play call in, happens very, very quickly, but they must have recognized that Willie Gay, as tired as he was, could probably go north and south and maybe make some sort of an impact right. compared to being out in space and covering. And I really right. want to talk to Spags about that process to get that play call in that quickly knowing they were going tempo and then ultimately what it became you can give all the credit in the world to Jalen Watson but Willie Gay affected the throw and not only did he affect the throw he blitzed on a tempo play inside the red zone like the communication to get that play call in is what is the like the process that I want to know about because it ended up making all the difference in the world and the play that made all the difference in the world yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a fantastic assessment of the situation by Spags, and I think knowing his players really well, right? Because it goes back to what you were saying with Willie <clears throat> Gay. You look at him, he's gassed. Chargers are going no. tempo. There's nothing you could do about it. Would you rather him be sitting back trying to play in coverage, or would you rather mm-hmm. have him not think at all and just go with the line of scrimmage? Now, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of got to know your player well enough to make the right decision there, but he opts for the blitz, and it was a bad throw by Herbert, right? It was miscommunication. Yeah. Everett was absolutely gassed. It it shouldn't have been a pick six, but it, whether to right. if you if you wanted to say to yourself, well, it shouldn't have been a touchdown either. Like I'll tell you on most plays that I would agree with that. So either way, I thought it was the right decision, whether it was the ball falling in Watson's lap or not because of that errant throw. But I, I just think that that is to your point a really a really nice sign of knowing your players well and what they can do in situations. And that's why you, that's why you press these guys in training camp, right? I mean, like that's why you, you have these guys run drill after drill. And I know it's not the way that it used to be with two days and getting guys exhausted (laughs) and seeing what they're like at the, uh, at the end of the, uh, (laughs) at the end of the energy level, if you will. But still, that's why you put these guys in these situations, not just to make them tougher, but also so defense coordinators and offensive coordinators know what they can get out of you, know where they can put you in the best situations when you're in that, hey, clock's against us. Hey, we can't make a sub. Hey, we need you to stay on the field and do this. So I do think that's a really great observation. I I didn't notice uh, Willie Gay as much because I was focused on Gerald Everett. (laughs) I I saw him the second he caught the ball, he's tapping the helmet. And then all of a sudden he's turning around. I was like, oh boy, this isn't going to go well. But yeah, didn't uh, yeah. it went well for Chiefs fans. 
say that. Yes, that again, memorable one. And now every Chiefs fan that was at that game and every Chiefs fan obviously watching the home opener. It was the 50th anniversary of Arrowhead. So they had all kinds of cool stuff going on. There's a lot for people who were at that game to be memorable for. And Jalen Watson just goes down in Chiefs history, Chiefs lore, yes, yes. Uh, as having that play on you know his first game. Very similar to you know the first game that Marcus Peters ever played in Arrowhead Stadium. I didn't even think about that until right now. Uh, it was against the Denver Broncos in prime time, and he had a pick six on Peyton Manning in that game uh, to open up his career at Arrowhead Stadium. So not to put that on Jalen Watson uh, for what we saw as you know Marcus being the rookie of the year that year. But all right, Trevor, what do you have as a second takeaway for us from the game last night? O-line versus D-line storyline. I was wondering what we were going to have going into this because the Chiefs had the number one graded offensive line, according to PFF, last week. Now the Cardinals' defensive line wasn't exactly giving them a, a, a lot to go up against, but they played very, very well. They played great as a unit. These are guys who are very talented, have a decent amount of time together, and the grade reflected that. They played very, very well in Arizona. Chargers also played well. They were a top 10 graded offensive line from the previous week, and what I wanted to point out is that in this game for the initial grades that we got over at PFF chiefs pass blocking offensive line was below 50. It was 44.8 and the chargers was 42.9. That just shows you how stout these defensive lines were. Wow. I even thought the offensive line still played well, but when you look at Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, five pressures for Joey Bosa, four for Khalil Mack, but more importantly on the Chiefs side of things. And what I think, actually told the tale is you got six pressures from Chris Jones. You got three pressures from Mike Clark. You got uh, from Frank Clark. Sorry. You got two pressures from Mike Dana, you know? So th there's so many different ways that the chiefs can get pressure on you. And to combine this a little bit here, my third point would have been how the chiefs purposefully played into a offensive game plan for the chargers that ended up being to their advantage. They wanted to rush the four guys that they had up front. They blitzed some, but not a ton. Most of the time, they were leaving guys in coverage. And because of that, they let Joe Lombardi kind of handcuff Justin Herbert a little bit. His average depth of target on passes in which he was not blitzed, so there's more guys in coverage, it was less mm -hmm. than five. Less than five <laughs> yards of average depth of target. We're talking about Justin Herbert over here. <laughs> so I thought the Chiefs had a really great game plan. We trust our front four. And this mm -hmm. Chiefs defensive line is already proving in this young season that they can really get after the quarterback. And that's something that I noticed that again had success last night, like it did the year, like it did the, the week before. And because of it, <clears throat> it yielded a passing game plan where I don't care who the other team's quarterback is. If that's the style, if you are forcing people to play that conservative, Patrick Mahomes' offense is going to beat you. They are just uh, yeah. more often than not. And so it just, it feels like the chiefs have a really good beat on what works in the league right now, what they have, the things that they built over the last couple of off seasons, um, drafting a lot of guys in the trenches to be able to get you pressure, having linebackers with athleticism behind them that you have faith in to either attack the pocket or stay in coverage. So it was points two and three are a little bit they're, they're, they They go together. So I wanted to, to mention them there, but it was a defensive game plan with the offense and defensive storylines where the Chiefs defensive line did a great job once again of getting pressure up front, and therefore it yielded a game plan that allowed the Chiefs to have more points at the end of the day. So it's kind of a little combination there of something that they did well, and I wanted to shout out the defensive line. Yeah, and I want to ask you about one specific player because, you know, there were a lot of people that have said a lot of things, and it, it, nowadays you, you don't win a football game. Everybody's going to find somebody to blame. Uh, no matter how much that player is beloved. And you go back to the Cincinnati playoff game, and a lot of people 
um, had kind of called out Chris Jones for not finishing some of those plays. And so in games like this, you need your big time stars to step up and make huge plays. And we talked about on the postgame show, Chris Jones, when the Chiefs needed someone to really step up and make a play to make a difference in the game. Chris Jones, the one who stepped up on that defensive line that you were just mentioning and came out and played well. I know that, um, you know, for PFF, he's always graded well uh, just because he is a nightmare of front to block. Yeah. Um, his size, his athleticism, the way that he moves. Um, Maddie Lane talked last night about, you know, it seemed like when they moved him away from Zion Johnson to the opposite side, he actually had a lot more success in the second half um, of this game. But just as you were watching the game and just from the, I don't say an outsider's perspective, uh, but your voice that Chiefs fans don't necessarily hear all day, every day uh, when they're listening through stuff. So uh, for Chris Jones specifically, just where do you feel like he fits in within the scope of the entire NFL for those interior pass rushers and what he brings? Because without him making some of those plays last night, the Chiefs don't walk away with this win. A pressure is production. Um, and, and and that's something that I learned from Josh Norris, Josh Norris, many years ago, he said the <laughs> phrase disruption equals production as well. Those are two phrases that he has said that, um, you know, it was, it was kind of when I was starting my coverage of football and I was somebody who was always looking at tackles in the backfield sacks. And really when you look mm-hmm. at total pressures, those are things that you can count on. And those things are consistently impactful in the game. You look at Chris Jones last year, only two defensive interior defensive linemen had more pressures than him, John Allen. And of course, Aaron Donald. And that's just to tell you how consistently dominant this dude is. Yeah. You want him to be able to finish the play, but it doesn't always happen. Right. To quote what you quoted earlier in this podcast, you know, the other guys get paid too. Right. So it's difficult to finish that job. Those guys don't want you to do that. The quarterbacks will move. You will get chip locked. You will offensive linemen will sometimes hold you. Right. And it doesn't get called. And, Chris Jones is just constantly in the backfield. And when you look at where football is today, and there's no, there's no easier way to get to the quarterback than if you're an interior defensive lineman and you win right away. And I think that Chris Jones has shown consistently that when you put him at the three technique, when you put him at the one and you let him just go off, if he's ever single block, man, he's just going to be, he's going to be too much for offensive linemen to handle. I thought it was really weird when they were trying to play him out on the edge, like get him away from being like a three tech and an interior defensive lineman. I get it because they're just trying to get the most out of their front four. If you will, it was a little bit of experiment. I don't mind that thought process, but I'm glad that they're playing him more on the interior because that's where he's going to do the most damage for you. And look, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald is somebody who's racked up plenty of sacks and he's obviously rare with it, but even Aaron Donald gets to the point where he will make disruption in the interior part of the offensive line and it is simply up to those other guys to be able to win and finish the sack it really is a cohesive thing i think that too often we think of offensive line play as all five guys and we just think it's Mm. a it it is one cohesive unit but then when we think about defensive line we don't think about that as much we think okay these Mm. are just individuals it's 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 four individual dudes doing their individual assignment that's not really what it is it's still a cohesive unit maybe not exactly to the level of blocking and keeping guys in front of you but it is one player makes disruption takes two blocks to the left other guy could come down from the right beat his one-on-one guy boom and he's got a clean sack right there it's all about working together so well, you just talk about the emphasis that Chris Jones has that's the emphasis that I think Chris Jones has he's somebody that you always yeah. have to pay attention to no matter what he's a constant disruptor in the backfield and no no question about it one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game and he proved it again last night against the chargers yep and they needed him and uh like i said it wasn't the prettiest 
for the Chiefs. A lot that they can work on. They've got 10 days or nine days now before they go uh, head up to Indy uh, and take on the Colts, who've got the Jaguars this weekend and the Texans uh, the week before. So they're going to be facing a different uh, motivated Chiefs team uh, to come out and play better, especially offensively after that one. But defense did enough. Uh, rookie stepped up, Trevor, like you mentioned. Uh, we appreciate your time, man. Uh, where can people find your work uh, before we let you go? Yeah, everything over at uh, profootballfocus.com. Um, we're doing daily shows every single day on YouTube, 11 a.m. If you guys want to tune into that, we're having a lot of fun recapping the best news of the day, going over some great stats that matter, some key context for betting, all kinds of stuff. So just hang out with us. The show's called It's Just Football, if you guys wonder <laughs> what we're talking about. It's Just Football. So appreciate it, BJ. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Good stuff, everybody. And we'll have plenty more content for you at KC Sports Network over the weekend, even though the Chiefs aren't playing. Don't worry. We've got you covered. A lot of different voices, a lot of different shows. Uh, and yep, stay tuned. We appreciate all your support. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.